We want to talk this morning about, uh, about worship and want to talk about worship from the story, uh, from the life of Abraham and at Genesis chapter 22, if you would turn there, please. I don't want to spend very long telling you the story. I want to jump in and talk to my friends who are on the stage here with me. Genesis chapter 22, there's a story that unfolds there with Abraham and his only son, Isaac. His only son, Isaac, because Isaac was the son of promise, according to what God said. That was the son. And so we get a story there in Genesis chapter 22 that unfolds something like this. God spoke to Abraham and said, take your son, your only son. And the Bible makes sure to say that. Your son, your only son. Take him to a place I will show you. Abraham, you know, go to a land I'll show you. Go to a mountain I'll show you and there you can worship. But just, what a life of faith to just take off in the vehicle and go someplace. I wonder, what, I wonder if he knew that there were gas stations along the way on his trip. So there's Abraham... It's a joke. <laughs> so there's Abraham, and he heads off with the servant and his son to go worship at a place. And Bible uses that term a couple of times also. I know you really want me to focus in on the fact that God was asking him to sacrifice his son. All right, I'll do that for 30 seconds. Wasn't uncommon in the culture at the time. It was 600 years before God said, don't do it. And so, and besides that, Abraham, according to Hebrews, believed that God would resurrect his son if he did kill him. So I'm not concerned about it at all. It doesn't bother me any at all, and I'm just going to go on from there right now. God tells, told him, uh, take your son and go sacrifice. So they head off, and they go to a land, the land of Moriah, and they head from where they are to there so that they can sacrifice. They come to a certain place, uh, the mountain and hilly parts of, of the, what is now the land of Israel, and they saw a mountain in the distance and Abraham knew that's the place where we need to go. That's where we need to, to, do it, to take care of our sacrifices. A lot of modern scholars believe that they were headed to the same mountain where Jesus would be crucified some 2,500 years later. No real proof for that. Um, that's just scholarly. and That one's for free. I'll move on from there quickly. So they saw the mountain and he told his servant, why don't you stay here? The boy and I are going to go worship. And he strapped the wood... Onto his teenage son. This is sounding really cool, isn't it, Austin? You, your dad, you're going to go someplace and worship. He puts the wood on you, takes the fire and the knife in his hand. But in time, I'm very certain my son would have had a lot of very real questions. So they head off from there and they uh, go up to the mountain and as they are journeying, his son in fact does ask him at least one that we're told about, probably a lot more. But at least one question, uh, Dad, fire, wood, knife, lamb? Are we missing something? What does not belong here? We don't have the animal. And Abraham says, coolly, calmly, and collectively, that's all right. Don't worry about it. God will provide for us. You're thinking, Benjamin, my son, exactly what I would be thinking at that point in time if I were Isaac. God's going to provide? That seems a little bit odd. So they uh, go to the mountain and go on top of the mountain where they're going to make the sacrifice. And he takes the wood off of his son and begins to tie his son up. Builds an altar. Puts his son on top of the altar. And raises the knife above his head. And as he raises the knife above his head, he hears a voice that says, Stop. And he, as he hears a voice that says, Stop, he looks around and he sees a lamb right behind him in the thicket. 
And then God talks to him and tells him, because you've been willing to do this, I will do great things for you. I will bless you. I will do uh, just accomplish great things in your life. And you can read those things there for yourself in Genesis 22. Right? Why destroy your opportunity this week to study the rest of the story? It's an amazing opportunity. I, as I was talking about this story with Liz Fisher, Liz is a wonderful lady sitting here. We're going to have a conversation. As I was talking about this story with Liz Fisher, she told me that this story has great personal meaning for her. Liz, why don't you tell us about that? Um, yes, Pastor Bruce, this story does have great meaning. Um, back in January of 1999, Pastor Hansen actually preached a really powerful sermon on this exact story, on Isaac and Abraham. And at the end of the sermon, um, he had an altar call. And at that altar call, he said, whatever you're experiencing, whatever is you know, between you and the Lord, lay it on the altar. If you have something that is you know, blocking you and that you need to sacrifice, then come on up to this altar and sacrifice it to the Lord. And at that time, um, Mark and I were trying to have a baby. And it was just not happening. And it was such a, a heart thing for me. I was just wanted a child so bad. And um, we were praying. And so anyways, at that morning, I just really felt like God wanted me to lay that on the altar. And so I just said, Lord, you know what? Whatever you have for us, if you want us to adopt, if you don't want us to have kids at all, I give it to you. You are in control. And um, so I did it that morning, and then six weeks later, we found out we were pregnant with Hannah. So, yeah, praise the Lord. And now we have three children, so <laughs> it was a really a powerful time. So it was definitely a, a powerful thing, and as a mom, I just the whole story has such a new perspective to me. Can I ask you, Pastor Certainly. Bruce? Um, what is this as a father? What does this story have? What perspective do you have on this as a father? You know, I thought that I got this story when my son was born. Because I thought for the first time I really had the context to understand this as a father. That now I've got a son and I can understand what it would mean to take him up. But I've got to tell you, as time has gone on, I've discovered that I understand it more and more. It's one thing to have a son who's, you know, two and running around and doing what two-year-olds do, but as he's moved into being a teenager now, and we can talk, you know, like father and son do sometimes, uh, as, we, as, we, as we, he's become more interactive and we've become more attached, I just can't even imagine doing this. I can't imagine what it must have taken. Uh, Pastor Mitch, you've got a son. What do you think? Yeah, I can't imagine anything like that where I would have to give up any one of my children, you know, two girls or a son, and to say, yeah, he, he's yours uh, in, in that physical type of way. I mean, we give him as a spiritual sense that we dedicate our children to the Lord, but to say, okay, you want me to sacrifice my son in that way? Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's unthinkable. In, in, I, I think in, in, from my frame of reference, just saying, that he's yours and, you know, have his life in that way. You know, I, I was okay when one or two of my kids talked about going as a missionary, like to Africa or something like that, because one of them talked about that for a, lot, a long time. And I think I was okay with that. Uh, but being okay with taking them up to a mountain and sacrificing them, that's a whole other matter altogether. What, what do you think? Your mom, what's a mom's perspective on it? Well, I just can't imagine. I mean, I think as a parent, you'll do anything for your child. And so... You know, for instance, if 
Gracie, my five-year-old, was out in the street, and I was, and she was playing, and there was a car coming, I wouldn't think twice. Just go grab her and whisk her out of the street. I wouldn't stop and think, oh, I might be risking my life. That's a little dangerous. I don't want to do that. Of course not. As a parent, you're just going to drop whatever you're doing and grab your child. Um, so risking my life, that's just kind of a no-brainer. But to risk my child's life, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I wouldn't hesitate to do that for my kids, but may, might hesitate to do that for someone else's kids, but not for my own. <laughs> but, but to give up my kids, is, is, that's another matter altogether. Right. You know, you kind of, as a parent, you, you, it's duty, obligation, and an act of the heart because you love your kids so much. You'd do anything for them. Right. But to say I'll do anything for God on a step above that, that's, uh, that's really reaching high for God. You know, I know you were talking this morning about worship a little bit, and then you were preaching the last couple of weeks on the story of Isaac and Abraham. And I have to ask you, what does worship, how does that relate to the story? You know, I might not think that it has anything to do with the story if the Bible didn't say that it did. But the Bible says, clearly, Abraham said, we are going to go and worship. And so clearly, I, Abraham thought that he was worshiping God by taking his son to the top of the altar, to the top of the mountain to sacrifice him. We sometimes think of worship as singing four or five songs, one fast, four slow, you know, whatever, we're going to mix that up. A few drums and a, 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 an acoustic guitar, a bass guitar, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do that for 20, 30, 40 minutes, and that's worship. And that is worship. But it just seems to me that we miss out on worship if that's all we think it is. The worship is as much about me taking my heart and giving it to God as it is uh, as it is just singing. What do you think, Pastor Mitch? You are a worship guru. And it, it's, you know, although music is near and dear to my heart, I, I totally agree with that. I think there are so many times that we miss out because we say, oh, I'm going to worship when I get to church. And I think we miss out on that opportunity throughout the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, to say, God, I'm going to give you my best in everything that I do, that I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to say that my job, and through my job, and whether that's good or extremely painful, I'm going to worship you because I want to glorify you in everything that I do. And I think that's where, uh, that's that daily living of worship that we need to cultivate in our lives. Yeah, you know, I don't think worship can start when you enter the building, and it can't end when you leave here. Right. Because if that's all that you do for worship, I think that that's good, but I think that's not enough. Right. I think life kind of requires a little bit more than that. And my love for God requires that I worship a little bit beyond that. That I take worship outside of here. Not just that I plug in a Christian CD or Christian radio on the way home. But that, uh, that my, I, I actively think about things in life saying, this is worship. What I'm doing here is worship. I'm doing this so that God can be glorified. Right. So that I can lift him up. So on Sunday morning, when we're coming in and we're preparing to worship, um, and we're not supposed to be thinking, oh, what that person is wearing, or if my child is crying in the nursery, or I need to talk to that person. Well, if the child's service. crying in the nursery, we, we do want you to think about that a little. <laughs> but after you get that all situated, right. and you're ready to, to worship, what does that look like? What does that look like when you're ready to enter the presence of the Lord? What do we need to do to prepare ourselves for that? You know, I don't know that I can tell you what it looks like quite. It looks like what we do. But I, can tell you, but I can tell you what it should be inside. I know that inside it should be an offering. It should be a gift where I come to God and say, I'm giving you my heart. I'm, I'm giving you the greatest prize that I have, which 
For Abraham was his son. I'm giving you the greatest prize that I have to glorify you. And I want the very best that I have to, to be given to you and to glorify you. You know, I went uh, as part of an assignment in my master's degree a few years ago. I went to visit um, a number of other religious groups. Went to a Jewish synagogue, went to the Muslim uh, center, Islamic center on the south side of Milwaukee, went to a Buddhist temple, and went to a Hindu temple. And, and the Hindu temple was kind of different. It was a, just a night where people were coming to pray. And I saw almost everyone who came in brought bananas, a few oranges, and they handed it to the priestess, priest, priestess, whoever was there at that center for that god. And I asked about it afterward, what, what was up with that? And they told me that, that just as, here was their explanation, just as you wouldn't, I wouldn't come to your house and not bring you anything, it's a gift that you bring to that god. Now, I, you know, I'm, all I want to learn from that is that if I believe my god is very real, I should make sure I bring a gift of some sort. Now, don't suddenly next week bring three bananas, okay? And but, uh, not what I'm saying at all. Don't miss what I am saying. I'm saying that I need to bring the gift of my heart to God. And that, that should, in my heart, I should do that. Whether I jump or sit or clap or don't clap, whether I'm in the hand-lifting section or the hand-waving section, whatever that is, I know that I need to be giving my heart to God. Does that answer your question, Liz? It does. I have this feeling I've wandered around and not answered it at all. <laughs> no, that's good. I do have to ask you, though, as it relates to the story, uh -huh. um, I look at the story, I read the story, and I say, where's the music? Where, how does that, how is that an act of worship, the story of Abraham and Isaac? I wonder what Isaac was singing on the way up the mountain. Lift Jesus higher. Lift Jesus. That song's about that old, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if there was worship or not. Does there have to be worship? For the, does there have to be music for there to be worship, Pastor Mitch? I don't think that there necessarily does. I think in the church, that is one of the gifts that God has given us in a way that we can, in turn, worship Him. You mean music is a gift He's given us? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. And, and so I think that we can in turn use that as one aspect to worship him and give that back to him um, but there doesn't necessarily have to be any music at all to to worship the Lord in fact sometimes there's just silence and it, it like you were saying what gift are you bringing sometimes I think we need to bring our focus I think we need to bring our attention to God and say alright I'm here and maybe in this corporate setting I'm here, and I'm going to have my focus solely on you. I don't want to think about what someone else is wearing. I really don't want to think about my child screaming in the, in the, in, in the nursery. I know that it's there and exists, but I really want to focus on you, God. I want to have my attention and my devotion fully set on you and, and, and just have that time where it's you and me. Let's talk. Let's, you know, maybe it's through the worship time, but maybe everyone else is singing around you and you're just sitting there silent and, and just waiting for the Lord to speak to you and you're speaking heart to heart through that time. And so I think uh, to try to circle back, no, music does not necessarily need to be there um, for you to worship the Lord. Some of the most powerful times that I've had in worship, I think there was no music at all. Sometimes the worship leader simply said, let's, let's worship. And nobody, there was no music for a few moments. And as you were asking that question, and then when I was done 
trying to answer it. I heard in my head your father-in-law, Pastor Pete, saying, what's wrong with silence? Because silence can be a powerful time of worship as well. That's excellent. That really helps me. And I know now that when we come into worship and when we come in the sanctuary on Sunday mornings to really do that focus. And if it's okay that you are just silent before the Lord and that's an act of worship and that's great. Hey, thanks, Pastor Mitch. I appreciate it. Do you have anything you want to add? I feel like we're in an interview now. Is there anything you'd like to add to this? I would just encourage people to make worship a priority in their lives, not only on Sunday mornings, but day by day. And just to give your attention and focus to God on a daily basis and see where he's going to lead. That's great. Hey, thanks, Pastor Mitch. Thanks, Liz. I really appreciate your help and your perspective this morning. You've helped a lot. Thank you. you. There'd be no greater life statement for Abraham or for anyone else than to find their way in worship. There is no greater life expression than for you out of the very depths of your heart to say, I want to express myself to God and how much I really care about Him. And I'm going to do that from what I, in what I say, but also in what I do. Worship is the highest form of expression that any human being can offer to anyone. And when Abraham was offering his worship up to God by taking his son, his, his only son, the very son of his promise, the most prized possession that he had was his son Isaac. For him to take that and to offer that up in worship to God, that was the ultimate life expression that he had. That was ultimate worship to be able to do that. Ultimate worship steps beyond words and into surrender and says, I'm going to step beyond just what I say, beyond what I'm singing, and I'm going to move into an area of surrender to my in my life and in my heart. You know, if worship becomes, as we talked about, just music or just the physical acts that I go through, if that's all that worship is, worship is a little shallow and rings a little bit hollow. Very much like a con man telling you how great and excellent things are and then you discover that you drove off in a vehicle that didn't even have an engine. There are some of you who are great salespeople and you could sell me my own house that I own. You could sell it back to me and throw in a paint job by the owner. That's not, that's not however, what our worship ought to be. Worship ought to have some substance to it in our heart. And in order for your worship to have substance, for you to really lift him up, requires that you move beyond words and into an area of surrender, demonstrating that God owns your heart, not just saying it, but demonstrating that. Giving of yourself is what God really wants of us, to give of ourselves back to Him. Jesus said, if you won't take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. You're not worthy of being called mine. And for me, that's what worship is. It's an identification of I am His and I, want, and I want Him to be mine, which requires then that I not only say that or sing that, and I not only do things physically about that, but I lift my heart up in surrender because your ultimate worship comes from your heart surrendering. It is the ultimate expression of who you are. And it's the, you only really step into surrender when you can step high enough to lift Him up. 
Your ultimate worship trusts God with your heart, just as Abraham trusted, trusted God with Isaac and his sacrifice of Isaac. Your ultimate worship trusts God with your heart and says, I'm going to trust Him no matter what my situation brings. For surrender requires trust. And trust is the essence of what we see in Abraham's life and the essence of worship. Your worship is really about how much do you trust God. It is one thing to trust God here amongst friends. Look around. Look at the person sitting next to you. More or less, they're your friend. They're in your corner spiritually. Something were to go wrong this week, the person you're sitting next to, you could probably call them and tell them about it. They would pray with you. You've prayed, you may have even prayed with that person this morning. They are in your corner. It's one thing to do that here, to be involved in worship here. But you know, it's another thing tomorrow morning when you walk into a place of employment, into a school, when you are out doing other things. It's another thing there to live your life as though you were worshiping. Your ultimate worship trusts God with your heart. And by trusting Him with your heart, today, tomorrow, and the following day, it is an act of worship to say, I'm going to trust God with where He's leading me and what He's doing with me. The Bible says that Abraham believed that God would raise up his son from the dead if that was what was required. Which is just enormous trust. To believe that out of the shadows of his own misery, God would cause something spectacular to take place is not just, not just a little bit of worship. That's a tremendous act of trust, which when he was trusting God on that level, he was lifting God up. For you only, you only really trust when you step high enough to lift God up. And when you do that, you are really demonstrating how awesome and spectacular he is. It is the ultimate expression of your life to lift up God high enough by trusting Him. Your ultimate worship gives you, your ultimate worship is your greatest prize that you are giving over to God. And it gives you back the greatest prize. You know, I was thinking on my way here this morning in my uh, small commute from Glendale. I was thinking about what I was going to talk about this morning and, you know, I was contemplating that sometimes we come into, into service and think, what am I going to get from God in worship? That's not bad. I've thought that a lot when I've gone to church. I've thought, you know, I really need something. I really hope I get that something from God. But that's really only 50% of the worship equation. Worship, uh, our, with God, it is a relationship that is two-way. And so, yes, I really ought to ask myself, what am I going to get from God when I come into a service? But that's only half of it. And not the half I really ought to focus on even. The half I should focus on is what am I going to bring? What am I going to bring to Him? Am I bringing something or am I going just saying, okay, God, this is a really terrible week. What are you going to do about it? That sounds really uplifting. I would like a conversation to start that way. Life is terrible. What are you going to do to help me with that? No, that's not really worship. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't tell God if things are, have gone wrong. I think you should lift that up to God in worship. When you come to worship, if you had a terrible week, I think one of the first things you should do is lift that up to God and say, God, everything went wrong this week. I'm giving that back to you. I'm trusting you with it. I'm lifting my life and what happened this week up to you. And then I'm going to move on from there. And I'm going to see what you have for me because it's the ultimate prize to ask yourself, what can I give to God? And what then does He give back to me? But by focusing on what He gives back to you, you really have things all wrong. You end up being very selfish in worship. 
And I don't think that's really worship. Worship is not about being selfish. It's about that relationship that I have with Him and wanting to celebrate that relationship and wanting to lift something up to Him. It's one of life's greatest mysteries. How when I come to God, I experience Him in that kind of way. We surrender our best to Him and that becomes the ultimate expression of our life. And when we do that, it becomes a real mystery of sorts. How then God works in all of that? And I don't really want to destroy God's mystery and what He has. I just know that when I come to Him and I offer myself up to Him, He then does things in my heart that change me and transform me. And over the, the, my lifetime, He has done that over and over and over again. Changing me, transforming me, radically reshaping me. When I came into worship and thought, how can I, as the ultimate expression of who I am, how can I offer myself over to God? For the ultimate worship, the ultimate expression of your life is to trust God with your heart. The ultimate worship, your ultimate worship gives your greatest prize over to God. That which is the most valuable to you. It says, God, this belongs to you. And your ultimate worship, your ultimate expression of your life raises up the most honor that you could possibly give to God. Few scenes are more spectacular than when in that moment, you as life's actor in that moment are lifting yourself up to God in worship. Sometimes in life we don't realize how spectacular things really are. We go through a moment not realizing how great that moment is at the time. But later we reflect back on it and say, that was really special. I am just, uh, I'm going to take a chance here. Uh, Pastor Paul, um, you pastored a few years. Do you ever have any of those moments where you went through them and maybe didn't even like them? Then you... Later, years, months, or even days, reflected back and say, you know, that was really kind of special. I, I've had some. Not a lot, necessarily, but I've had some where I didn't know at the moment when I was going through it how special it might have been. But I could look back on it later and say, that was really kind of, that was really kind of special. I am guessing that was the Abraham-Isaac moment. I'm doubting that Isaac was walking up that mountain thinking, you know, this is really kind of special. My dad's going to kill me. I am really doubting that Abraham was taking every step saying, isn't God's presence wonderful? However, when he reflected back on it, I'm certain that he understood how great God was at that very moment and how special the moment had become. For that's kind of the way that it is in life. And you're great. Some of those moments become great and awesome, spectacular moments where you look back and say, God was really in that. And I really can honor God because He was there and He was in that. And the action of your life becomes that kind of worship. The ultimate expression of your life becomes just the action of what you go through. And it becomes the things you do day to day saying, I'm going to lift those things up to God. It becomes a true life statement where you say, as an ultimate act of expression to God, I am going to do this. So what does it look like? Sometimes it looks like the same thing the person next to you is doing, only you're doing it as worship unto God, and God receives it as worship. In fact, think about that for a moment. You could come into this place and do the same thing that the person sitting next to you is doing. Closing your eyes, folding your hands, raising your hands. You could go through all of those things and if you didn't lift it up as worship from your heart, what have you done? 
You could go to work tomorrow morning. And please, you probably should. Your boss kind of likes the idea. When you go to work tomorrow morning, what you do may look just like what the person next to you is doing. But you can do it as worship. Say, this is God, and I'm going to worship Him by doing it. God is in this. God's plan is in this. Students, you can go in to take a test tomorrow. Isn't that a great word? You could go in tomorrow and end up taking a test. And if you say, I'm going to give this to God as worship, I can tell you this. If you do that, that test will be a different test. The grade may be the same because, you know, study, don't study. But suddenly it does, the studying takes on a different flavor altogether. Because you realize that what you are doing is an act of worship in your life. And you wouldn't want to, I mean, who really wants to take an F to God and say, God, see what I earned for you. It's the action of a lifetime for Abraham as he walked up the mountain with his very own prized possession, his son. The very one whom he loved perhaps more than anyone else in the world. As he walked up that mountain, he said, this is the ultimate expression of my devotion to God. And God treated it that way by saying, here you are offering me your greatest possession, your son, your only son. I know because that's what God said afterward. Here you offered your only son and I honor you because you honored me. So focusing on what can God, what's God going to do for me puts the cart before the horse. It really ought to be, how can I honor God? And when I honor God, He takes care of the rest of it and finds ways to honor me. Some of what you do can provide honor to God if you lift it up to Him and say, in all things I see the potential for honoring Him and doing what it is that He asks me to do. Instead of asking, how can I receive the most from God today? You want to ask, how can I raise up the most honor to God today? What can I do that would provide the greatest amount of honor to God today? And that may change the rest of your day. You may decide that watching three hours of the Packers beat up on the Buffalo Bills, I am bad luck, by the way. I don't usually project wins like that on the Packers because when I do, they always lose. I also don't wear green on Packer game days. I'm just that way, okay? You may change the rest of your day by saying, what can I do to honor God? And you may not. You may decide that the, most thing, the, the best thing you can do to honor God is to spend time with family watching the Green Bay Packers. You may decide that at that very moment, you know, God wants me to just rest and sit down in an easy chair and kick up the, the leg in the easy chair and sit back and drink some nice cold Pepsi and eat some Cheetos and have some brownies. That's the food of life right there. All you need is pizza and that would just make it spectacularly perfect. You may decide this is what God has at this moment. This is the ultimate act of honor. There's nothing wrong with relaxation and enjoying life. But God may reorder things for you. And he may say, I've, got, I've just got a little something different for you today. Whatever the case might be, by asking, how can I most honor God? You are offering the greatest expression of your life to him. And saying, no matter what it is that he asks of me, I want to make sure I offer that to him. No matter what it is he wants from me, I want to step high enough to lift him up by surrendering my life to him. By trusting Him enough with my greatest stuff. Knowing that He'll take care of it from there. 
And it may not turn out the way that I really want, but it will always turn out in a way that is great in His sight. That's what He really, really wants from us when we come and worship. Say, I'll, I'll give myself to Him in that way, and I'll see what happens from there. Would you pray with me?